Hello, everybody. I know what you're thinking. It's been too long. So right in the front of our episode, we want to give you, back by popular demand, a Bobo story time. Well, gather around. It's Bobo story time. Dude, he's going to see some things that'll blow your mind. Classic. And if you say he's lying, he's going to kick you behind. For sure. Any description of felonious or criminal activity is being told here strictly for entertainment purposes and is in no way an admission of guilt or even true for that matter. Oh, man. Put me on the spot. I wasn't ready for that. Too bad. Lay it on us, Bobes. What's the first thing off the top of your head? It's so hard to think of something that's G or PG-13 rated. Um, well, you know what? I just told this story to Karita last night. It's, it's nothing amazing or nothing, but... Uh, I had an adventure when we got done filming in Vietnam. I wanted to go to Ha Long Bay, that famous place. It's in like the James Bond movie. There's like 2,000 little islands that like these rock stacks that stick up and have like tropical jungle on top of them. And they go through this whole long bay in North Vietnam. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I want an adventure. Like I felt like I'd been kind of a wuss. And, I was, and uh, so I was like, and I'm going to rent one of these scooters and go up there. You know, I was like, I think it was 150, 170 miles, something like that. I was like, oh, it's no problem. So I went to the um, concierge at the hotel and said, hey, you know, I need directions to Halong Bay. And so we printed it up on Google Maps. It was in English. It had 178 turns. <laughs> like, dude, it was like, you got to be kidding me. It's like, go like 0.3 kilometers this way, and then you'll see this and that. And there's, no, there's no street signs at all, ever. Um, it's just, if you ever seen like video of like China or Vietnam, it's all the same just mayhem on the streets like there's there's no center line there's no lanes it's just mass it's like a it's like a school of fish and I, 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 they said don't they said americans don't do it when i got back i found out after i was done with this trip that if you combined rock climbing scuba diving jet skiing uh whatever all, all the stuff you can you know uh rope zip lines like all the all the stuff that can go wrong on vacation all the deaths of tourists in Vietnam were like, it was four to one. If you just took scooter wrecks to all the other deaths combined, it was four times greater on scooters. And then I saw why, because man, I drove up there and I left pretty early too. I left early in the day, but it took so long. I mean, I was, you know, put, I was going about 30, 35. I had a pretty good scooter. It was a bigger one, but I, I had my huge traveling backpack on and that's when I was still like 300 pounds. So I was wearing this big, giant like is like a three week long backpack backpack size I, I can't remember how many liters it was like 190 liters or something so i look like this giant circus bear wearing this giant it was basically like a duffel bag strapped to my back you know riding this little scooter through vietnam and i had my helmet that was too tight and my head was squishing out of it and i i mean i definitely got a lot of looks but it was so sketchy driving up there because what i found out was the Vietnamese, for whatever reason, did they, they never looked at maps. The maps are not comp, like they don't have maps. I mean, it's some sort of cultural difference, some sort of cultural difference where they just don't rely on maps because they've been there. Or it's, I think it's just because they stay in such small areas, and and they can read the signs, like they say this way, that way, like the Vietnamese language, like which I couldn't. So I'm I'm pulling out these, and then it's, it just was dumping rain, and I had a. I had my directions printed out. It was, I forget how many pages it was, like stapled together, my Google Maps guide. And I'd be pulling over, trying to talk to people, going, how do I get to here? You know, pointing and trying to, and 
none of them got it at all. Like, I mean, I think I talked to three or four people that, that were able to, out of like probably a hundred that could look at the map and tell me like which way, like where was what? Cause it, it got all, you know, it started pouring rain and, it, and then it got dark and I was right in the dark for like a couple hours and it was so scary. I mean, there was buses and trucks and mostly trucks and, and, and then rich people like in BMW zipping in and out of everything. Like every once in a while, like a Mercedes Benz come flying by and they did not care if they ran you off the road. And I was just like, Oh my God, I got, I was so relieved when I got there. And then I had a little miss. Remember Wendy, our guide over there, Wendy. So I had a little communication lag with him. I signed up for a three day, uh, tour. It was pretty cheap to take, to get on one of those, like a Chinese junk, like a, um, one of those old style sailboats, but they had motors in them, but they, they looked cool. You know, they had those, you could do these tours. I thought, I thought three days on like a luxury cruise. Like, you know, it had like, uh, maybe like eight apartments on it or cabins. And there's, I think there was about 20 people on it. So I get there and I had three nights, but three day, four days, three nights booked. And I was like, that's gonna be cool. And then I find out, so I, I do the tour the first day we get back and they said, that, that's it. I said, well, I'm signed up for three nights. And they said, yeah, yeah, we got you. You're the next two nights too. And it was the same trip. <laughs> so it was like Groundhog Day, do the same thing uh, three days in a row. So it was, that was kind of a bum out, but I was just, you know, I was just partying, whatever. There's a bunch of Korean girls on our trip. And that was right when that song, um, what was that Psy song? Gangnam Style. Every morning at 6 a.m., dude, at 6 a.m. sharp, the captain would blast Gangnam Style. And I swear to God, for like 45 minutes to an hour, that song was on repeat. And the Korean girls got up and sang and danced along with the whole thing. And the and the cook, uh, the, the crew of the boat was, was totally, you know, they'd come out and they'd do like these reenactments of the video, I guess. I hadn't seen it. Well, yeah, he was like a national hero in, in Korea at that, that time. Oh, yeah. And so it was just every morning was like, dun, 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 dun. Because even when, when the Korean girls weren't on there, like they, they just kept playing it all the whole time because everyone loved it. And it was like, oh my, I mean, it was beautiful. It was rad. It was, it was fun. And at the end, I just kind of ended up hanging out with the captain because um, he spoke a little bit of English. And I was like, I didn't want to trade through like the same little, same stuff. Like the third day, I just stayed on the boat most of the day and hung out. But then I drove home and man, it got gnarly. It was storming most of the way. But I remember this one guy in a big garbage truck pulled up next to me and looked at me and just gave me this death look. And he, he just looks at me and then he just swings the wheel over. And I, I remember looking at him and I just went flying out there. And I was going about 40 at this time. I was going full blast and I just launched off. And I, there was, um, cause the roads are, they paved the roads, but it's, you know, it's all jungle muddy ground. So the edges break off in big chunks of concrete and asphalt break off. And then they don't, they just leave them there. So it's like a mini boulder field along the side of the roads in certain places. And he forced me off in a right one of those. I went down on the bike, hit one of those big concrete blocks. The bike, of course, you know, just end up just ass over tea kettle. And I launched and I pushed off the handlebars midair. I went flying through the air, cleared the rest of the concrete, landed on my back on that big duffel bag sized backpack, slid in the mud and came out without a scratch. But my scooter would no longer work. And I was still about 40 miles from uh, Hanoi. So I ended up having to, that, that took forever too to try to, like, you think like just hand gestures, I'm pointing at this broken s- scooter. You know, I went, to, I pushed it all for like two hours to a gas station. because so I had to hold the front wheel up in there. I had to like, kind of carry drag it. 
and I get down there, and then the people couldn't understand what I was pantomiming. I was saying, you know, like, Hanoi, and I was saying, pointing at me, pointing at the scooter, and like pointing at the back of their truck, saying, "Can I put my scooter in the back of your truck?" They ended up having to hire this fruit salesman guy, and for thirty bucks, he ended up driving me the whole way back through through traffic and all that. And and, they, and they, uh, when we got there, Wendy was there, and he was talking to the guy, and the guy was laughing, going. He this sucker paid me 30 bucks to drive him for a couple hours, you know, so that he thought he got a good deal. But yeah. And then when he was going, I told you, you, you weren't going to make it. I was like, well, I, I, I made it. I got there and back with the scooter. Then I ended up um, basically having to buy the scooter. Uh, and then uh, there was this, uh, the hotel we stayed at, there was this really cool young guy that was studying and stuff. And I gave it to him because they could fix anything. They could just go find a new front end, whatever, get it fixed up. Pretty easy. So I just gave it to him and he was stoked. But God, I didn't tell that story too well. <laughs> it's, it was more. I didn't. I, I don't think I conveyed how hectic that. If you've ever seen those scenes of of the scooters, like, and this wasn't in when the city. It's kind of more. The city was even. Um, I mean, there's pedestrians, but people were more calm. I, 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 uh, on the highway, it was more dangerous. It was. It was way more just people driving way too fast. Like the highways is like if you take the chaos of the inner city traffic and turn it up to 55, 60 miles an hour. Right, and you know, those guys going eighty and ninety in, the, in those big Mercedeses, and they they plow, they run. I mean, it's amazing. There's not more of it, but there are, there is a lot of people get killed on the road there. Well, it is just true chaos as well. You know, when I when we were in uh, Vietnam and I, on our day off, I was walking around the city and you know tripping out on stuff and whatever, and you know shopping and just enjoying my day. And um, I was trying to cross this this uh, probably four or five lane road maybe six lanes three in each direction and it was just a sea of scooters and cars and um, people completely ignoring the lines in the roads and you know traffic laws are clearly only suggestions and i was there watching looking waiting for my break to cross the road because there's no crosswalks so i'm like waiting for a break and i guess i waited so long that at some point two little old ladies came up to me they came up, one on either side of me, and they, they tapped me on the shoulder and pointed and laughed, and they took me by the arms and crossed me across the road. How, exactly opposite of everything that I've always been taught. It's like, oh, yeah, the little ladies are helping young men across the road. <laughs> uh, Vietnam was just – that was my favorite international spot. I mean, the food was fantastic because they had the French there for 100 years. They had us, our influence, Chinese influence, Thai influence. I mean, the food there was phenomenal. The people were so friendly. I left, uh, you might have been there, Cliff, when I left my phone and I went back to get it like 20 minutes later. And the lady at the stand had, uh, where we bought like egg rolls or something had held it for me and gave it back. And she, and Wendy said, she goes, she probably lives on three, four dollars a day. And that was a thousand dollar phone. Yeah. Wonderful, fantastic people. Really everywhere we went. Yeah. Vietnam was a, a great location. We should probably watch that episode sometime and do a commentary on it. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's make it a point to watch a couple of those international episodes because they were so much fun to do and what a neat experience for us. But we have another episode to watch today. Let's get into the regular episode. Hey, everybody, this is Cliff, and uh, I wanted to give you a, the lowdown on this next episode here. We thought we'd try an experiment and watch a Finding Bigfoot episode in real time and kind of talk about what went on behind the scenes and heckle each other, and you just have fun with it. It turned out pretty good, but we also realized that a lot of people out there listen in their cars or while they're doing other things and not necessarily next to a television. So for you people, what we did is we edited down our one-hour um, Finding Bigfoot episode episode banter into a shorter, more condensed version. And that's what you're going to be hearing right now. But 
If you would like to watch the episode in real time, we're going to release that as bonus material on Wednesday. And you can watch it along with us. As you're seeing the images, Bobo and I will be heckling whatever's happening up there. You know, you get the idea. That'll be a special thing that's coming out this coming Wednesday if you want to, you know, play along with us. But again, this particular episode you're about to hear is a condensed version of all of the comments and everything like that. But don't play along. Don't play the episode along with it. It'll be weird. Appreciate it and keep it squatchy. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Good morning, Bobo. Hello, Cliff. Are you getting excited for the great Florida Bigfoot Conference? Yeah, I'm getting pumped for Florida. Who thought we'd get a break from the heat by going to Florida in July, coming from the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, when, when, when we booked this gig a couple months ago, I'm thinking Florida in July. Man, that is going to be sweltering. But you're right. It's actually going to be about 10, 15 degrees cooler than up here in the Pacific Northwest right now. Ugh, crazy <laughs> times. Crazy, crazy times. But yeah, we're headed to Florida um, on the 10th the, for the great Florida Bigfoot Conference. It's going to be in Lakeland, Florida. It's, uh, it's, it's being organized by a group called Gather Up Event Entertainment. And if you want tickets, you can go to gatherupevents.com and then look up the event, the Great Florida Bigfoot Conference. You and I are going to be there, of course, but we have other Bigfoot folks in tow as well. Stacey Brown's going to be there. Robert Roberts, Robinson's going to be there. David Sedati. Uh, I don't know this gentleman. I, maybe I met him, but I don't think I have. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a great event with uh, exhibitors and vendors and talks and just Floridians everywhere. Florida man is going to be there, too. He's making an appearance. Lots of Florida men will be there. Yes, he's going to clump into the rafters above the stage and swing down on a cable mic and uh, pants. I don't know. <laughs> something crazy. Whenever I read about Florida man in the newspaper, it's always something cool. I love that. That's, that's become a meme. You know, I've always liked Florida in general because it, it's kind of like the Wild West, but in the extreme southeast. Um, anything goes there. A lot of unusual things happen. I just love the weird crimes and the whole Florida man meat. I just love the whole thing. On top of it, it's super squatchy down there. It is a jungle, literally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was blown away when I went to Mayaka. It was like, my gosh, like it really is like the Yellowstone of the Southeast. I mean, it was. I mean, if, you know, flat, swampy ground. It was beautiful, and, and the, the reports. I mean, they're, they're all over the place, and the habitat's excellent. In celebration of the Great Florida Bigfoot Conference that Bobo and I will be appearing at this coming weekend in Lakeland, Florida, we thought it'd be a good idea to pull out a Finding Bigfoot episode. And of course, we chose a Florida episode. And of course, since Stacy Brown is going to be appearing at the same conference with us, we are going to do the episode where we investigate the Stacy Brown footage, which I don't know about you, Bobo, but it is by far, I think, probably the best um, Sasquatch thermal footage that I've seen. Um, it's clear. It's it's not very many frames, but it is clear and it is obvious. It is either a Sasquatch or a person. And based on our on, on-site investigation and further work that I've done on my own, it can't be a person. It just can't be a person. People don't come at that size and shape. No, it's it's definitely not a person. It's absolutely a Sasquatch, and it's only the best 
thermal video recording only because mine failed two years ago in Louisiana. Like I said, it's the best one out there. <laughs> <laughs> that was, and being there, like having them just describe the whole thing, you know, how it ran and being at the spot in the dark, like they were, I was like, I, you know, you could just imagine it all. And then seeing the size of the trees and the, the gap it stepped through, it's, it's just, I don't see anyone can deny that that's a Bigfoot. I mean, what can you say to things like seven foot nine? That's the average you came out with, like, right? Well, I mean, I have a range because of the distance. You know, it is between like the very, very smallest size it could be is somewhere around six and a half, six foot ten, um, and the largest it could be is around nine feet. Um, the most likely true size is somewhere in the middle, and it's in the seven foot, seven eight foot range, um, as far as I I can tell. That's my best guess based on the numbers I've crunched. Um, and again, if you want to see any of these numbers and you want to crunch them for yourself, um, all my data is on my website, cliffbarrickman.com. I think you go into research or something. I just redid the website, so it's a new format and stuff. Hopefully, it's a little simpler and a little bit more streamlined for people. Um, but yeah, go check out the, the data that I collected at the site um, and the numbers I crunch. And if you come up with a different number, if you find some sort of flaw in my thinking and logic, by all means, contact me and let me know. Uh, I've been putting this plea out for years, and so far, nobody has contacted me and shown me that I'm wrong, that I'm, I'm waiting, I'm hoping to find out that I, I could have done something better. I'm not one of these Bigfooters that's going to get all butthurt about being wrong. Um, please tell me. But yeah, please go check it out. Uh, and of course, this episode we're going to watch today, we're at the location, um, and, and you can kind of see for yourself. But hey, Bobes, have you had a chance to watch uh, Stacey Brown's video, uh, The Skunk Ape Lives? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really good, right? Yeah, I was – I mean, he had no budget. He'd never done that stuff. I mean, he'd done a little bit of it, and he put out a good movie. Yeah, when I heard the title, I was thinking, gosh, Stacy, couldn't have chose a better one? And, of course, Stacy, you're probably listening to this, and I'm so sorry I even say this. Don't like, flatter uh, yourself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> ourselves. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I heard the title, I was thinking, what's this going to be about? But it's really good. It's really good. And it largely centers around, of course, his footage. Now, he, he didn't take the footage. His father took the footage, and his father's now passed. Um, but but what I didn't know at the time was that Stacy Brown Jr. was videotaping his father as his father was videotaping the Sasquatch. I just found that so fascinating. I was kind of like, that was one of those things where you just like scratch your head like, dude, how could you not have told us that? You know, like like in the course of hanging out for like almost a week, we never heard that. I was When I heard it later, I was like, what? Like, how did we miss that? Yeah, maybe he did tell us, but there's so much information going around. Who knows? But it was so neat seeing his father see the Sasquatch and how how concerned he was at the time. Um, I thought it was really, really cool. And I'm not saying this cause I'm in it either. Cause I don't get a penny for doing it. I didn't get a penny. I've just did it for Stacy cause he's a friend. Um, but I talk about my analysis of it. And of course, seeing that video of the actual foot, imagine having a video taken by Bob Gimlin filming Roger Patterson as he filmed the creature. Oh my God. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, you know, really, really interesting stuff. Well, anyway, yeah, that's something else to check out. And, of course, the Stacey Brown Jr. is going to be there. So let's watch the Stacey Brown um, episode of Finding Bigfoot. Okay, Bobo, are you ready to roll? Yes. Okay. The Stacey Brown episode, Finding Bigfoot, best evidence yet. But here we go. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to meet this announcer. Me too. Yeah, this announcer did all of our shows, and I never met the guy. Hamill knows him. Yeah. Moneymaker met him once, too. Oh, really? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was a little threatened by Moneymaker thinking he could take his job. Well, you know, I mean, we're all a little threatened by Moneymaker for a variety of reasons, <laughs> I think. 
Yeah. Look at the bobs. Look at the fat bobs. That guy was cool. He was cool. I miss him sometimes. Me too. That guy was rocking. Is, it, perhaps you were slightly more huggable then. Yeah, a lot of this is, of course, now we're just going with the flashbacks from the previous uh, Finding Bigfoot episode. So, Yeah, I thought we should use those pan and tilt rooftop therms every episode. But they said, no, it's, we got to have different techniques. Yeah, they, they want different techniques, but they keep the same format every episode. Right. <laughs> Cut and paste every episode. Yeah, it's all right, though. It was a good show. We enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I love all this stuff, like the, the 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 setting the scene stuff that they have to do every time, you know, where like the overhead shots and the, the helicopter shots of the forest and everything like that. So I, I love that kind of stuff. Of course, I think a lot of people like it because I, uh, from what I understand, a lot of people enjoy the show for the travel aspect, lo- looking at places and habitats they would never get a chance to go to. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Here's the Bridges property, of course, with a handprint on the inside of the glass. That was scary. Bill and Carolyn. You know, of course, uh, the Bridges property is not that far away from where uh, Stacy Brown filmed the footage. No, it was like 45 minutes or something? Not, I don't even think it was that far, really. It was real close. North Florida. You know, um, North Florida, of course, is a lot like uh, southern Georgia. They, they're, they're, they're border states. A ton of forests in there. Um, I'm a little disappointed in my own state of Oregon um, right now. I want to point that out because I looked up the, stat, the, the stats recently, and I found out that Georgia has overtaken Oregon for the number two spot in the United States of America of the sheer number of forested acres. Georgia has more forest than Oregon does now. Yeah, I knew they were in the top five. Yeah. Bobes, you look a little dreamy here. I know, dude. I got to start eating more. I look great. <laughs> yeah, all that, all that muscle in your face. <laughs> I was chewing a lot. Is that what it was? It was chalk? Yeah. I was almost developing a sagittal crest of bigger jaw muscles. <laughs> yeah, I need to work out your jaw muscles to build up those zygomatic arches a bit, you know, sagittal crests and zygomatic arches. Florida, there he is. There they are. Yeah, the Stacys. Stacy Sr. and Stacy Brown uh, Jr. are both right there, father and son. You know, what's interesting is um, I recorded a whoop at this location. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so Stacy, the Stacys are there. They're talking about the trip right now, and they were camping together as a father and son sort of team. And his dad wasn't really into Bigfoot, of course. He just wanted to hang out with his son and kind of bond with him, you know. And then uh, and they were something was following around the woods that night, if I remember right. They could hear the thing walking around, and Stacy Senior saw the thing up above, hiding behind a tree. There it is. Yeah, I said to watch it for a second, then it stepped out. And he only saw it for a, a split second, half a second, maybe a second at the most. Never saw it again. But it's one of the few ones where you got head to toe in one frame. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you get a little uh, taste of the gait as well. Yeah. Because Sasquatches, of course, don't walk like humans do. At least uh, they superficially do. But, you know, the deeper you get into how they walk, it's an entirely different strategy. (laughs) I keep laughing when I see myself. It's like a different guy. He was. He was dreamy. (laughs) He was dreamy. Well, you know, uh, so so much time has passed now that when I watch this, it doesn't seem like me either. And I kind of like it better now because of that. Right. I can kind of uh, remove myself from the filming and all the, you know, the things that happen behind the scenes or whatever. And I can just enjoy the episode for what it is because that's not me anymore. Now, uh, something I want to point out, a lot of people don't like this film because of the lack of contrast. You know, everything's kind of washed out. But uh, uh, what what they're missing at this point is that it was raining that day. So everything was wet. 
And of course, through a thermal imager, if everything is wet, everything is about the same temperature and there isn't a lot of contrast. Look how sweet my hair is right there. You look pretty rad, Bubs. Maximum fluff. Yeah, totally. Rocker Bobo. That's why I had my sweet heavy metal pat, secret homemade hot oil treatment recipe. Yeah, I used to have to go HOTs all the time, hot oil treatments. Yeah. But you'd go to Walmart to get it done. Yeah. But they didn't show where I'm standing behind where my shoulders, you can only see one shoulder at a time when I stand behind it. They, they cut that yeah. out, it looks like. I know. Oh, yeah, because I can't believe that's not in here. Because when you, that was critical. Because when you see it, I when I stand uh, parallel, you know, perpendicular like he did, I mean, you only see one shoulder. All right, we have to pause for a minute here to talk to our sponsors here. But when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about your experience doing that recreation, Bobo, okay? Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, Bobs, tell us a little bit about that recreation of doing the brown footage at the actual site. Yeah, they left out a critical comparison shot was when I stood facing you guys like it was behind the tree, I could I could completely hide or you'd see it just maybe like an inch of my one shoulder. Like I, I could hide behind it. I mean, you could see maybe like, yeah, like an inch or two maybe. And on that thing, when he was behind it, you could see like a foot each side sticking out of shoulder, you know, at least nine inches on each side of shoulder. So, I mean, that thing was over a foot wider than my uh, than me at the shoulders. Yeah, you know, here I'm going to take a look at my website here, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that figure and the sizes that we uh, that I, I uh, that I determined it is. Hold on here. Let's talk about the height first, okay? Um, I, I crunched a lot of numbers for this, and I got a range. The smallest it could be is about 72 inches, which is only six feet, but the largest that I got is over nine feet tall. Now, generally speaking, when you do stuff like this, the smallest and the largest can basically be thrown out. Um, so I don't think it is six feet tall and I certainly don't think it's nine and a half feet tall. It seems that the, uh, and I, oh, by the way, I determined the, the height using several different methods and you can read about it on the website. Um, I, I think it's probably somewhere about seven and a half or eight feet. Okay. Cause if you take the average of all the heights, um, I, it, and at least for one of these methods, it gives you something about eight feet tall, but it looks like it might just be a little that's probably a little bit too big. I think it's between seven and a half and eight feet, but that's only, you know, eyeballing it as I describe in my essay too. So, but that, that step length is phenomenal. Well, even without the measurements, just looking at me and looking at it, it's way bigger than me. And the, I mean, the hands are like, when you hear those canoe paddle comparisons, it's so evident in that thermal clip. I mean, my hands just look like little nubs. This thing's got giant mitts, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I was wearing like baseball gloves, that's like what it would look like. Now, um, when, when it did take a step between those two trees, I measured, the, I measured those two trees, how far apart they were, 72 inches apart. That's six feet apart. It clears most of that distance. You know? um, so the, uh, the step length that I got is a bit over 56 inches, one step, four foot, eight inches, in other words. That corresponds pretty well to a lot of the other Sasquatch uh, um, step lengths recorded in other trackways as well. Yeah, a lot of people get s- mixed up on step length and stride. Stride is from right, f- you take you start at your right foot, take a step with your left foot, then your next where your right foot lands again, you me- measure heel to heel. And a step is right heel to left heel, just one step. And a stride is two steps. Right, exactly. The stride is twice the steps, in other words, right. You know, another thing I'd like to point out about this brown footage is I was on expedition at the same location just a few years before. 
And some really interesting things happened. At literally 100, 150 yards away from where the where the Browns got the footage, um, I was hanging out with a recorder, and we I got a whoop recorded. I call it the Liberty County whoop. It's also on the website if people want to listen to it. But we're going to put it into the episode right here so everybody can hear it. Um, so Bobo, feast your oh, feast your eyes, feast your ears on this. I mean, if I heard that in the Pacific Northwest, I'd be like, that sounded like a squatch. But when I'm down in like Florida, like Miaka and down there in the Everglades, there were so many sounds I didn't know, birds and stuff. And then you always hear about all the escaped primates down in there. I can see why people are more skeptical down there than other places about that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a little bit more to the story, though, in this case. I was uh, hanging out at this crossroads, again, like 100, 150 yards away from where the Browns got their footage. Um, and I heard it, and I recorded it, which is cool. You know, I'm pretty happy about that. But at some point that night, I think it was uh, right before dusk, um, some people came in and were going to go backpacking. Um, because in this particular area along the river, there's a various backpacking camp. So, so these guys walked in probably about two or three miles, maybe four. I kind of forget. And of course, some, I'm sure some skeptics are going, well, that was clearly them, right? That was clearly them whooping. Well, they didn't know we were, we were there for Bigfoot. We we're just campers picnicking as far as they were concerned. So why would they be whooping in the middle of the night? But also the next day, we were back at the regular you know, barbecue area where we're hanging out, where the people passed us the prior day, the previous day. And when they walked out, we were there. And, um, you know, we had some activity. We had some whoops and stuff. So um, we asked them, hey, did, um, did, did you hear anything weird last night? And th- their response was so peculiar. They said, you know, after we saw you guys, um, that, that you were the only thing, you know, we didn't hear or see anything. They go, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, after, after you guys came through the camp. And we didn't go through the camp. No, we didn't walk that far. We don't even know where they were. They're about, you know, two, four miles in or something like that. Well, what do you mean? So, yeah, once you guys came running through our camp, banging on trees, we didn't hear anything else. And they were, they weren't very, they weren't very happy with us because we ran through their camp banging on trees or, you know, or like around their camp, I guess. So kind of peculiar, I thought, and, but not as peculiar as they probably thought we were you know, running through their camp in the middle of the night, banging on trees. (laughs) I've had that happen before where people accuse, you know, like, or like questioning where we were camp. Like, was that you guys messed around our camp last night? And it was like, no, I was not throwing pine cones over at your trailer. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, this area is, it has a lot of activity and a lot of history. So, um, of course we had to do a night investigation in this particular area which is where we're going to start with the episode right now, Bobo, unless you have anything else to add. No, I'm good to go. Uh, I'm frozen right on Moneymaker's face. Yeah, yeah, I love it. (laughs) All right, so here we go. We're getting ready to push play. So here it is. Matt's telling us how it's going to be on the night investigation. He's got his anti-snake pole. Yeah, he's got a snake pole. So this is it. Bobo's kind of telling the plan right now. That's a big part of the episodes you can see every time is uh, one of us explains the plan for the night investigation every time. It's part of that subtle psychology um, that uh, TV has in it, you know. And not a lot of variation in the plans from night to night. We're scanning around now through the thermal imager. Everything's real warm because it is Florida, but we're, we're, we're wearing puppy jackets, so it must be cold. Yeah, dude, it was it was record cold that night because... We, none of us were like, we had every bit of warm clothing we had on because it was, it was when we checked the uh, usual weather for that time of year, it'd say lows, low sixties, highs, high seventies. And we were there and the highs were like in the low forties, fifties. They lost a bunch of oranges. Like the citrus crop got hammered when we were there. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I remember this night investigation. 
that's the thing, you know, like we're on, we're on camera. We're kind of lost in the moment because we're really out there bigfooting and we're, we're stuck with this camera on our face. Yeah. So we kind of forget about the camera. So man, we get some dumb looking looks on our face. Or at least I do. I can't speak for you, Bobo. Never. Never. Who, me? Never. <laughs> Here's the recap. You probably noticed that after every episode or every commercial break as well. So apparently Matt and Renee heard something going through the brush. He said that it's very large. That's obviously been hanging out. But there's giant hogs everywhere too. So you got to. Yeah, that's the thing. There are a lot of hogs in this particular area. The Bridges house down in Florida was the first time I ever encountered aardvarks. Aardvarks? Or wait, what are them things called? Aardvarks. Like, I thought they were South American. Wait, what are the ones they have down there? I don't know. Annie, not the Annie, there's the. Maybe aardvark. I don't know. I don't. I. I have to admit, I don't know a lot about aardvarks. So maybe they're there. I don't think so, though. I'd look it up, and I'm watching finding Bigfoot. They curl up in a ball. Oh, armadillos. Armadillos. Duh. That's something. I remember like, I was hearing this rustling come up towards me. I'm like, what, what is that? What is that? Then I was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's an armadillo. There are a lot of those out there. And they're loud too. Yeah, Matt and Renee are getting along pretty good here. Well, they had editors. Yeah. I just love watching Matt's face, like just grit and determination and frustration. And he, he's got the most expressive face. He does. He really does. He does emote quite a bit as well. Oh, I forgot about this. We went back to the Bridges house, right? Oh, right, 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 right. To go check in with them, right? Uh, love them. The Bridges are great. Love those guys. More stuff's been happening. I wonder, I haven't checked in with them in a long time. I wonder if anything's been going on. They moved. No, did they? Yeah. I did not know that. Bill did become a believer by the time they moved out. Mm-hmm. He sure did. This was a crazy story about the snake getting buried then re-dug up. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been a gifting sort of thing from the Sasquatch to them. Yeah, I know, I know people that have reported like their dogs getting re- dug up, you know, and like they bury their dog and it's laid on their porch the next thing they know, or cats or rabbits. Yeah. And I'm sure I'd be too happy to find my dog dead on the porch. I, I, don't, I wouldn't consider that a gift. I know. Well, you know, maybe a, maybe a, a horse head at the foot of your bed would also be a Sasquatch gift. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's all how you look at it, maybe. So yeah, we're just sitting around right now for people in the car listening. We're sitting around just catching up with the Bridges, who we did an episode with in the first season. Um, uh, they, they, they have property. Oh, there it is. Oh my gosh, Bobo. I'm so sorry they put that in the episode. And of course, Bobo's going to be mad because they just showed Bobo falling down the stairs, which everybody seems to love. Well, they fin- the stairs are finished there. They didn't finish the, st- the bottom two steps were gone. And uh, some producer, they were faking us. They were knocking on the other side of the house. And they were yelling, run, 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 run. And I was, I thought, I was thinking in my mind, there's no way there's a big right there, but I'm hearing these knocks from running the other side of the house. And I'm running over there and there's, there's a couple of the producers standing there. And I, I was so pissed. Yeah, that's before we straightened everything out. Yeah. You know what else? Oh, I don't know if we mentioned it in the episode, but those bay trees, the natives had planted that place hundreds of, those bay trees were hundreds of years old. The natives planted them like in a 20-acre area. It was their respite from mosquitoes. Yeah, uh, those kind of trees um, uh, drive the mosquitoes away. So there's fewer mosquitoes at this location and a natural spring where everything around kind of comes to drink. That that area has been rich with wildlife forever. Yeah. Look at Moneymaker there, how young he is. Well, look at all of us, how young we were. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Town Hall. I remember this, like a little church somewhere. I, I see so many familiar faces. They scan around. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun seeing all the people that we've seen at conferences and now people who are friends and researchers and stuff. I get so many people like young young men and women coming into the shop and go, I grew up watching you. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm old. I know. Sorry. When we're in the South, that's one thing I like about the South, too, is that parents down there, like if their kid like comes up with some fancy story about, you know, like they, some imaginary story about seeing one, they won't let them tell it. You know what I mean? They're not like, oh, you know, we'll let Jeffy just come up with whatever he wants. He can, he can have a playtime, imaginary time. He can say he saw Bigfoot, whatever. Just humor him. Down on the South, they're like, boy, don't you lie. You know, like they'll get a whooping if they try to tell some fake story. Very pragmatic sort of culture. Yeah. Town hall meetings are, I mean, everybody loves the town halls. Everybody loves the town halls. And I want to put this out there. That's because they don't actually have to attend one. <laughs> you know, because they're four minutes, five minutes on screen, but we're standing there for four hours listening to every single person in the oh, entire place. Like six, seven, someone went six, seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we had like 2,000 people in there. That's when we had to start shortening them up. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's that saying about you know television. The television is like sausage. Pretty much everybody likes it, but nobody wants to know how it's made. Yeah, yeah, because people they show up the town hall and like there's a lot of time where you, you know, you're got to switch the microphones and pause for whatever uh, camera issues. Yeah, do things two or three times in a row. That was a pretty spot. There's a lot of beautiful spots out there. You know, Tom Powell once told me because Tom thinks there might be paranormal or something. He goes, "It makes sense that these things are visiting from other planets because they always go to the pretty places. They're probably just sightseeing." <laughs> oh man, I couldn't disagree. I couldn't disagree more, but I love the way you think. <laughs> it does make sense. Sure, except for that from the other planet stuff, right? But if they were. But if they were. Uh, that humidity down there at that time of year was just perfect for my dew. Your hair does look uh, amazing. Yeah, what, what, what was the color you used to dye your hair, Bobo? Uh, it was the same color that Nikki Six and Tommy Lee did when they recorded Shout Out the Devil. Really? So is it, is it called you know the Devil's Brown or something? I don't know. I can't remember the numbers and all that stuff. Um, Heavy Metal Pat had it. It was his formula. Heavy Metal Pat, yeah. Taught you everything you need to know about your hair. There's the reset. Some people might wonder why Matt always does the reset. There's a very good reason for that. It's because they record the audio later in Hollywood at the studios where the production company is. And Matt's the only one who lives in Southern California. So he was easy to bring in and cheap as, as opposed to flying us down to do it. Plus, he's great at it. He is good at it. Very emotive, as I said. Okay, uh, so we just heard the monkey chatter that barred owls tend to make. Um, I think a lot of people say, it sounded like a monkey. It was a Bigfoot. Well, yeah, I think it's probably a barred owl most of the time. Yeah, yeah. People really need to become very familiar with the variety of vocalizations that barred owls make, plus all the other animals in the woods that are out at night. But barred owls and coyotes are, I mean, that's the two right there. Barred owls, barred owls and, oh, look at that snake. Yeah, we found snakes in the trees, just laying around in the trees at night. They look like a Florida launch or what, they look like a real, one of those real poisonous non-native ones. I don't know what it was. There's a snake I didn't get too close. It's Florida, man. Everything's out there. Everything in Florida is trying to bite you or poke you or poison you or do something. Right. Maybe not the people so much, but even some of the people. Man, look at that weather. Days like this yeah. where it's just pounding down and kind of crappy, and I'm thinking, man, we got to go out tonight. We have to go walk around in this for three or four or five hours. Ugh. I never really minded that. Too. I never minded the rain, except for that it just interfered with the the therm. Or if it, you know, we couldn't. If it was too much to film in, then it was okay. Yeah. So this episode, I guess we're going to go out instead of walking around. We'll be in ATVs and checking checking things out. 
Yeah, so we're now we're sitting around in two ATVs, two side by sides, and on the roof of each of them is one of the are one of these FLIRs. We call them R two D two units, like basically a camera up on top and, and feeds into a video monitor inside the cab. So uh, one of us can drive, and the other one can control the FLIR up on top, like a periscope, and then um, and kind of keep an eye on things. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool. For whatever reason, whenever I got around Renee, I farted more. Maybe she brings it out of you. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. You're this when you're flirting with Renee. Look at look at her swooning. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much describes it. That pretty much <laughs> describes her mood. Swooning. <laughs> Does that mean throwing up in her mouth? I'm sure that's what it means. Right? <laughs> Dude, she was into it <laughs> until I broke up with her. You live in a different world, Bobo. <laughs> all right so matt and i are cruising around um, a few miles probably from the bridge's house but on the, uh, this network of roads and we just picked up something on the therm something um bright oh yeah but you can see it's four-footed kind of looks like a bed. deer but yeah pig or a deer yeah and of course there was about a, a, a one minute delay here because i had to put that backpack on i know dude i used to i used to piss me off so bad we we're trying to it was like dude you got plenty of footage of us stumbling around in the dark. We want to get a damn Bigfoot on. Like, let us just go get the footage first. That's what we're here for. Right. I get so mad. Yeah, you're mad now. And this is like seven years ago or something. All right. There's a thermal shot of me screaming. He's red hot, ladies. But taken. You have that minute delay put on your backpack. Kashi, there's, you got there too late. Yeah. And, of course, we're down in there, and, uh, and it just started dumping rain on us. Just always dumping. when some when some when we had really good stuff on the so many times so, that would happen that was so crazy. Well, you know Murphy's law, right? Oh yeah, Murphy is a Sasquatch. Yeah, guaranteed and part skunk ape. In this case, yeah, yeah. A lot of times we'd wait like ten minutes in the cars for it to break a little bit so we could do a f- closing scene. Yeah, and you know when it's when it's raining and there's thunder and lightning and stuff, nothing like going for a walk in the woods wearing metal poles on your backpack. Yeah, not exactly the smartest thing to do. So let's take a moment and listen to our sponsors for a second. We'll come back and do a wrap out here. Okay. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, so that was uh, the second Florida episode that we filmed for Finding Bigfoot, kind of featuring the Stacy Brown footage, um, filmed, of course, by Stacy Brown Sr. And Stacy Brown Jr. Um, has kind of continued carrying that torch because, unfortunately, Stacy Brown Sr. has passed away now. He died a few years ago. Um, but Stacy Brown Jr. was there when his dad filmed the Sasquatch. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, you can get his documentary um, or watch it wherever you can watch it. I don't know, probably Amazon or something like that has it. The Skunk Ape Lives, I believe, is the name of it. It's pretty good. And, you know, this is a pretty good episode, too. Uh, I was pretty stoked to find out we were going to be looking into the Brown footage because I was so interested in it. And to go actually go to the site meant a lot to me because I wanted to get my own personal measurements of the, of the tree distances and the widths and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, um, and of course, visiting with the bridges as well was pretty cool because we hadn't checked in with them for a couple of years. I went down, when we finished the South Carolina episode or North Carolina episode when we got done, I went down and visited them because I drove back there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, I just, that place was so awesome. They, they let me stay in that little cabin down below. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. They had a little separate cabin. 
nothing happened when I was there. I was only there for, uh, you know, I was going to be there for a week and we got a call that we had to jam back and I had to get back to LA right away because they had to do some emergency, emergency editing. Cause something went wrong. Like something like one of the cameras, had, or the audio had broken on one of the cameras when we were out filming. So we had to go do all those pickup lines and then we had something else. It might've been, we had like some press conference or something to do in LA. I can't, I can't remember what it was, but so then I, I was going to be there a week. And I ended up staying one, you know, maybe two nights and I had to jam out and then I couldn't stop at all the spots. I wanted to stop on the way back. I just hauled butt and I realized I wasn't going to make it back to uh, California in time to drive. There was no way I was going to make it driving because I was, I was going to try to push through. And so I stopped uh, Rich and Rachel. He was our supervising producer for like half a season and Rachel was his wife. She was our fixer for many episodes. So I stopped in Louisiana dropped monkey off with them and then flew to LA and then flew back, uh, there a couple of days, you know, I just did a quick turn and burn in LA and then flew back and grabbed monkey out of Louisiana and had a, had a nice trip back the rest of the way. Sounds complex. That wasn't too bad. Monkey wasn't <laughs> digging it though. Not for, not for Bobo's life. No, <laughs> that's a simple day in Bobo's life. And of course, all you all you guys listening out there, these are just the stories that we can tell. If you want to hear the real stuff, you got to come. To, you got to come to the, um, the the Great Florida Bigfoot Conference on um, July 10th, and you can hear the real stories from Bobo and Stacey Brown directly. Stacey's going to be in attendance along with Robert Robinson and David Sadati. Um, it's going to be a great. I think it's going to be a fantastic um, conference. Um, I I'm looking forward to doing my presentation. Are you going to be talking, Bobs? What are you going to be talking about? Oh, um, mishmash. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing your presentation because it's always good for uh, some memories and some good laughs and also real solid Bigfoot stuff on top of it. So, um, yeah, Great Florida Bigfoot Conference, July 10th. If you want tickets, go to gatherupevents.com and then choose the you know the Great Florida Conference. And then there you go. And we'll see you guys out there. And Stacy will be there, and Bobo will be there, and other researchers, and lots of Bigfoot people in general, vendors, all that jazz. It's going to be a great one. And so I'll see you guys out there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. See you down in Lakeland, everybody. All right, Cliff, that was fun. Brought back some memories. And uh, if we don't see you in Florida, we'll see you next week on the next podcast of Bigfoot Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. Thanks for listening. Like and share it. And until next week, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 